Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 166. Now, without real sound effects. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John, the man, Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett, also a man, <laughs> Cropley. Good evening, viewers. It's quite mannish tonight, isn't it? It is. It is significantly mannish. Mm. Uh, yeah, very different from normal weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's not mannish at all. It's a bit girly. Yeah. It's a little bit girly, but still all about television. All about <laughs> television. No diversion from television at all. And to that end, this week's episode of Box Cutters is full of television goodness. We've got, and I don't buy it, we're going to talk about a British show called Gavin and Stacey, not to be confused with the American show Ned and Stacey, uh, which uh, starred that excellent guy and Deborah Messing. Do you know, I'm glad you said that, because before I kept thinking Ned and Stacey, and I thought I just made that up. No, no, but no. But it, no, was, it, it was, was a real show. It was a real show. Right. Uh, they, were, they, they were married for, uh, let's say... Uh, convenience purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needed to have a wife in order to get a promotion at his job. She, she needed a sitcom. To, yeah. That's, <laughs> did, that's did, pretty much it. Did hilarity ensue? For one season. Right. <laughs> After that, depressing. After that, it was uh, it was just people trying to kill themselves all the time. Horrible. Bleak. Horrible bleak. It wasn't even black comedy. It was just black. Just black. Uh, and then, of course, she went on to, uh, to be a gay man, also is my understanding, in Will and Grace. You know, no, that, that's true. That's, that's how it worked? <laughs> yeah, that's how yeah, it worked. Yeah. yeah, that's how it worked. We've also uh, got a Things You May Have Missed. It's been a long time since we've done that. Uh, we're going to look at the late 70s, early 80s American sitcom Soap, which we mentioned a few weeks ago when we were covering number 96. So that's going to be uh, fun. Got some letters to box cutters. We've got some pork. As always, though, let's kick things off with the Australia Day box cutters news. Well, in number 96 news... Hang on, I just, I just want to say no. that, aside from this story, uh, it being Australia Day when we're recording this, but probably not going to be Australia Day when you're listening to Almost it. Almost certainly not. It's not really Australian. Unless you're listening next year. In which case... It could be. Happy it's Australia not, Day. But then it's not news. No, it's olds. Yeah, it's olds. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's still Australia Day. Anyway, with that, John Richards. In number 96 news, since you just mentioned number 96, um, oddly... Uh, Bunny Brock, who played Flo Patterson in number 96, her silver Logie um, from 1974 was up on sale on eBay last week. We did manage to get this up onto the Pox Cutter blog before it finished, so you did have a chance. But it was only being auctioned for 24 hours only. That doesn't sound dodgy to me at all. Not at all. No, and um, it's all... Hey, hang on, how did they... Oh, sorry, uh, but you'll get to how did they come about to have... Oh, this oh yeah, yeah, no, I, I have a quote here from the Herald Sun, which explains everything. Um, it sold for $2,225, um, to an unknown bidder. Um, it was sold by Hippoporn, that's P-A-W-N, um, from Caboolture uh, in Queensland. When asked by the Herald Sun exactly how they came to have Bunny Brooks' silver logie from 1974 and be auctioning off for 24 hours only, they said, quote, it came to us in the normal course of business. 
Hmm. Which is a little bit too mm. underbelly for my liking, but there you yes. go. Um, Flo Patterson, uh, huge popular number six. She died second uh, of April two thousand, age seventy nine. So she she won't miss it. And um, uh, curious little thing in the Herald Sun as well as, as starring in various shows, including number six and E Street. She also was Crawford's casting director, and she was the person who discovered Kylie Minogue. Ah, oh, hmm. strange little bonus factor there for right. Buddy Brook fans. Well, maybe, maybe Kylie bought the Logie, and so, and yeah, and discovers it every day. She hides it around her house. Yeah, and he goes, "Oh, Silver Logie, Silver Logie, great, great, lovely." Now I'm just thinking, maybe you know, maybe someone from the Minogue family. Uh, uh, bought it to uh, Craig to, Minogue. Yeah, uh, maybe Craig. I did find this sad. Though. I've, I've got to actually admit, I found this a slightly sad story. To, to someone's silver logie. I mean, you know, yes, they're hilarious, but still, but it's, surely somebody should care enough about Bunny Brooks logie you know, to it's, either it's keep like, it the family or give it to somewhere. It's like when D- Dawn Fraser was it. Dawn, I think Dawn Fraser was going to sell her gold medals because she needed the money. Um, and, yeah. and you know, gold medals, much like silver logies, they don't really mean anything, but they're. Uh, <laughs> I'm just waiting for the letters to come in. Just waiting for the letters to come in. Uh, but they do have a lot of uh, of sentimental value. And, yeah, and uh, it, yeah, it just seemed really sad for someone to be flogging this off just in a 24-hour But it's also sale. a lot of sentimental value for the person who won it. But why would somebody buy it? Oh, well, I, mean, I, 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 I since we talked about number 96, I have had, you know, Discussions with fans of the show who who would have loved very much to have bought this, but not for two thousand two hundred twenty five dollars. Which also is in a way, it's such a petty kind of amount of money. You know, it's like I don't know. I'd, I'd rather if it was my silver logie from nineteen seventy four, it was sitting in Acme or something rather than yeah on eBay. It's not an Oscar. No, but you know, it's shiny, and that's always good. <laughs> Oh, it was a little bit matte by the time by the well, time it was true. photographed there. Well, yeah, no. actually, actually, a couple of dints. Actually, the uh, the silver logie, not shiny at all. Not shiny at all. It's you, it's brushed silver. You could spray it though. You, you could spray it. You could it. go to the two dollars shop, get a can of yeah you know, bright silver could, spray paint. You could sand it. You could sand it. You could you could you know dip um, it in brass. You could you could uh, glue stick and some glitter. Yeah, I've I've seen a number of uh, silver logies <laughs> in my time. Not shiny at all. They're really, they, nothing appealing about them at all. There should be a website, Pimp My Silver Logie. Well, they're very they rounded. Yeah. <laughs> they are, they are which, rounded. If, if rumours are to be believed about uh, those Logies after parties, uh, is uh, it <laughs> Hi. Oh, look. <laughs> what else have we got? <laughs> look because really, we've, we've talked enough well, about Bunny Brooks Silver well, Logie. News. Uh, were, were you, uh, what about new shows? Uh, in in the US in the US new shows Fox well nothing says new show more than remaking something from the 90s Fox <laughs> has committed to making a pilot for an American version of Absolutely Fabulous according to the Hollywood Reporter and I now, bet did, did, that's going to be great now Roseanne bar Arnold Roseanne yes was going to do an Absolutely Fabulous some years ago she was starring Carrie Fisher right this was in the 90s it never got off the ground um, this is a new version uh, again Again, Jennifer Saunders is kind of attached to it as co-executive producer, so you know she has nothing to do with it really, but takes some cash. Uh, remake comes largely from Christine Zander, whose resume includes Saturday Night Live, Third Rock from the Sun, and Samantha Who. So uh, hit and miss. Yeah, yeah, you know, hit and miss Zander, Miss Zander. So uh, we can all enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, also, and- yeah, I also hear that um, that, that you know, there's a version of, of of the Witches of Eastwick. But uh, we believe we probably reported that some years ago. Yeah. 1987, and, uh, possibly, when the film came out. So, 
Well, it's, I, I wonder if they, if they make a, a TV... Because I think we mentioned it, but we didn't really mention it. Like, we didn't go hard on it. Would John Updike get money for that, do you think, having written the book? He would have to, wouldn't he? I imagine. There be, must be some sort of spin-off kind of rule. Yeah, they'd, they'd have to be. Unless they called it Westwick, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And said it was just like three other witches had nothing to do with that other film. Yeah. The Wickers of Witchwick. That'd work. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, Victoria, uh, uh, some uh, Victorian slash federal Australian news. It's Australia Day, don't you know? Uh, an article in The Age this week revealed that um, amongst many submissions made to the federal government's review of SBS and ABC, the Victorian state government has entered a bid to host the new ABC TV digital children's channel. Now, the long-touted but fi- financially troubled ABC3, uh, which has uh, uh, really been around for a long time. I think we've been reporting on that for, for about a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. It might get a new lease of life with this submission. Victoria does have a, a good history with children's television production and is the base for the Australian Children's Television Foundation as well as a number of other uh, children's TV-focused production companies. Uh, details of the new channel are still being worked out and no doubt we'll know a lot more about it when the triennial, triennial funding for the ABC is announced in the May budget. But until then, nothing's really been said by the federal government. I'm about curious this though, what does it mean to host the channel? Because I mean, if that just means the vision switcher is is putting in the tapes. Yeah, I no, mean, it I just think, seems... I, I think it's, it's, it's that they want the headquarters to, to be here, which also means that production will... So we're going to say here, we're in Victoria. Uh, also that uh, production will be based in Victoria, which means more jobs for Australia... Uh, so for Victorian crew I and just Victorian actors. I wondering though, how much material is going to be new for ABC3 or how much is going to be just playing older... Or already existing. A lot of that will come out when they get their eight dollars fifty in the yes, in May the budget, yeah. because uh, uh, <clears throat> there was a whole lot of money promised to them uh, by the Howard government for ABC Three, and then in the last round of cuts by the current federal government, that all just fell by the wayside, just gone. Now, gone. does that mention? Does that uh, article mention where they're thinking about doing it? Uh, I'd assume that they'd have a bit of space down the Docklands that they want to use up. Uh, no, um, no, it uh, it doesn't say that, and I haven't seen the submission. Uh, although the submission is there for everyone to to look at and see, there are something like two and a half thousand submissions made to uh, to that research by the government. So I heard it was going to be in a submarine. Oh, that's or a nice. geostationary orbiting satellite above Victoria. Really? Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Which they could build a lift up to. Yeah, That'd be awesome. Yeah. There's a kind of Bond villain thing apparently. ABC Three slash Bond villain crossover. Nice. I like with. that. Yeah. I like that as an idea. Speaking of Bond villains, uh, Sean McAuliffe is to make the move to the Ten Network, uh, covering off uh, all of the networks, I believe, for Sean McAuliffe. Uh, he's been signed for a commercially exclusive deal with Ten to uh, develop, uh, appear on air, and host an upcoming show called My Gen Working Title. Which is uh, better than the previous working title. What was that? Which was, I think, Talking About My Generation. Okay. 
this is uh, the ultimate intergenerational comedy showdown with Jen's ultimate. X, Y, Hang and on. baby boomers battle it out to determine who really does know more, and more importantly, who knows best. Because I'm only watching it if, if it's the, the ultimate version. I'm not watching any other version. Well, I, I, I like the idea of it being the ultimate version because I'm sick of this kind of show. And if, if it is the ultimate version, then uh, it won't be anymore. Won't be anymore at all. Um, uh, we, which sadly makes no more uh, newstopia. No, it doesn't. Yes, no, it he's, does. he's, no, it he's doesn't. saying that he he's would stick around an for an exclusive deal. Oh, okay. I've, I've read another report saying that he would he would apparently keep doing newstopia. So did was, I. I read yeah. that. I read that too. That uh, he he would keep doing newstopia. But then the last episode of newstopia was pretty much a, a farewell. Uh, I, it was my understanding from that that they just weren't going to do any more Newstopia. Uh, That's kind of tragic. Cause we do have a, yeah, we, like, we, I think we talked in the, the, the Epidition, Charlie, about how great Newstopia was and the idea of that someone like McCall is going off to do a fairly crappy setting game show it just mm. seems like really that's... that's Yeah, the the thing with uh, with Sean McCarthy though, is he he hasn't really done anything to death. He's, he hasn't flogged anything mm-hmm. to death. And I think, uh, you know, if Newstopia goes out while it's still on top, that's great. It's true. But I also think Newstopia is the only thing that's ever kind of really matched his... The McAuliffe program. His abilities. Well, yeah, even then, though, I think Newstopia is more, more um, that with my hand. Ah, ah, more uh, on that side. Yeah, um, video. Uh, if you look at the video podcast, you'll be able to see the, the, the action I'm making. I, but I can't wait for uh, McAuliffe to host kids say the darndest things. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't have to be uh, hosting a, a pretty crappy uh, quiz show for too long to be tainted with that uh, for a long, long but time. Then, look at Red Simons with uh, Shafted. But look at Groucho Marx with You Bet Your Life. If, he, if, if anyone in Australia could do what Groucho Marx did with You Bet Your Life, it's Sean McAuliffe to turn what is very loosely a game show into just an excuse to an, an excuse to riff off uh, contestants being uh, a little bit silly. Well, then, that's what Glenn Robbins is doing, isn't he? Uh, except Glenn Robbins is doing it with personalities, uh, which I think is easier. That's so not all on him, yeah. Because yep. Uh, with, with personalities, they know how to give lines and uh, and they're prepared to also make jokes and they go through and, and probably have a day's worth of preparation as well. Uh, whereas I think these contestants just wouldn't have any idea what, what was going on. If McAuliffe was going to turn it into that, then that would definitely be worth watching. If, however, it's just family feud, intergenerational, then no. Yeah. Well, look at John Pertwee and Who Done It. Yeah. Speaking of Doctor Who, um, I That's have some... Always with the Wurzel Gummidge. News here. Oh, yeah, Wurzel Gummidge. They're bringing that back. But, you know, it's edgy. Um, <laughs> There's some upcoming uh, some news about the upcoming Doctor Who special. I'm going to point out now, if you're a crazy, crazy fan, these may be spoilers. Because we know that last week Josh has spent entirely speaking French just to avoid any spoilers about Lost. Because he is that crazy kind mm. of fan. So if you are a crazy, crazy Doctor Who fan... Oui, c'est vrai. Listen away now. Um, the, the next special coming up, which is described as a spring special, apparently. It's an Easter special, but it may or may not go out at Easter. Um, is called Planet of the Dead. And... Um, they've announced a bit of casting. Comedian Lee Evans, who has been in these shores a few times for the comedy festival, is appearing. But formerly of the Fast Show? Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't believe Lee Evans oh, was in the Fast Show. Okay. I could be wrong. Um, Michelle Ryan, um, who is probably best known as the recent Bionic Woman, um, is also in it. And there's quite a bit of rumour that she might be staying on as a companion. No one 
quite knows that. She'd be a lot more better known in the UK for her role on EastEnders, I would imagine. Oh, yes, I knew there was another one, and I forgot it. Yeah, so she's yep. also from EastEnders, but here probably just the Bionic Woman. Um, and they... Sorry, I'm, I'm mixing him up with someone else. Lee Evans, who was in uh, uh, Something About Mary. Oh, quite possibly. He's in The Fifth yep. Element, briefly. Um, he was in Funny Bones, I think. And I think I, I was thinking of Lee Mack. Yeah, not Lee Mack. No. Um, the other thing, though, is apparently they've had to do some massive rewriting on the special because a red double-decker bus, which is integral to the plot, was shipped overseas, reportedly to Dubai for filming, but was so badly damaged the vehicle is now unusable. And so apparently they're now desperately rewriting the script, which is actually all about a red double-decker bus. So that'll be curious to see what they do right. there. <laughs> Why would you need a double-decker bus in, in Dubai? Or is that too much of a spoiler? Well, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, I don't think anyone actually knows. I mean, no one's quite sure they're filming in Dubai. Um, or there's been some controversy about that, if they are, with people in England saying they really shouldn't, due to you know various um, human rights kind of issues. But um, it looks like it may be about a double-decker bus that travels you know, in, in space, and possibly Dubai is playing a foreign planet. Right. And uh, just before people start sending their emails into hooray at boxcutters.net, yes, it was Lee Mack that I was thinking of, and Lee Mack was in The Sketch Show, not <laughs> The Fast Show, which was a sketch show as well. But Lee Mack's show was called The Sketch Show. So when I said Lee Evans, you were just not remotely thinking of anything like what we were talking well, I, about. I get them confused, but I quite like Lee Evans. I think he's very talented. He is, he's he's very one good. of the best slapstick performers around and uh, and we don't get to see that uh, all that often anymore uh, which is which is wonderful uh, underbelly it's wonderful that we don't get to see much of that anymore. it's wonderful no We're it's so wonderful pleased. it's wonderful that he's in it I'm glad that he's in it <laughs> so we don't get to see that much of what he does anymore wonderful clearly I was just speaking while also trying to find my next story Brent <laughs> clearly I've got to say before, engaging your mind. Brett yeah. did do the best segue ever, and I would like you to, to for the rest of tonight's show, if you can do segues as good as that. <laughs> your Bond villain segue was just perfect. That was great. It was superb. It was very good. It was very good. Uh, in an attempt to produce wagging tongues and engineering controversy, or controversy, <laughs> you might say. I, I say neither. For, uh, I say neither. <laughs> <laughs> for its new series of Underbelly, Channel 9 has uh, leaked... That's uh, in inverted commas, mm. leaked, because I, I just reckon they just put it out there. Uh, a 30-second internet video that has already been labelled pornographic by the habitual wowser Fred Nile, mm-hmm. the Reverend Fred Nile. I think it's disgusting and shocking, said Nile in a report to Sydney's Daily Telegraph. And here, with an editorial on the matter, is Boxcutter's own Josh Canal. The success of last year's premiere season of Underbelly was largely due to its controversy. This season will no doubt be the same. Channel 9 are playing with fire when creating these controversies. There is a theory to say that anything that gets people watching is good for the network, but it just feels like short-term thinking. It's the sort of thinking that gives us nudity and violence without the excellent storytelling that will keep people glued to their sets. To this box cutter, it feels like there's a trend towards controversy over substance, which is leaving us behind in competition with other television nations. 
Thanks for that, Josh. My pleasure, Josh. <laughs> you know, we should really get a sound tape of, uh, of typewriters going, I think. And every time you want to do an editorial, we'll just put it up. Because it'd be great. This is typewriters going. I'm Josh Kidal from 1974. Nice. Nice. Observed by Silver Loki. Great. Segway that, Brett. What were you talking about? Underbelly. He said Sorry, nudity wasn't... was bad. I don't know what he's talking about. It's I, I wasn't listening. Um, in in uh, TV news. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was shit house. It was shit house. Uh, I can't even think. Endemol International Juggernaut uh, has confirmed that it is to acquire uh, the Southern Star Group. Uh, which is the production company that makes things such as Home and Away. Um, they're buying 100% of the company from Australia's Fairfax Media. It includes Southern Star International, Southern Star Entertainment, and Southern Star's 49% share in the 10-year-old uh, company Endemol Southern Star. Okay, so so Endemol have, have bought the other... Remaining forty nine percent of Endemol Southern Star. No, fifty one percent. Sorry, fifty one. No, no, forty nine percent. Forty nine percent. Oh, okay. Yep. Endemol had fifty one percent of oh, that company. Had. Sorry, I was mis- mishearing. And, that, uh, as well as Southern Star, as well as the, and the rest of Southern Star. So now all of Southern Star is owned by a Dutch company. So anything Southern Star, while it might be an Australian production, is really a Dutch production with Australian crew. It's through a Dutch prism. Through oh. a Dutch prism. <laughs> a Dutch prism? Prism. Yes. Not a prison. Not a prison. Not a no. Dutch prison. No. no, no. Prism. Nor an oven. Not a Dutch oven. Trini and Susanna. Speaking of Dutch <laughs> ovens. <laughs> have reportedly been dropped by ITV. Now, this is, this is extraordinary news because uh, Trini and Susanna had uh, special after special after special... And this, the job that they do is still the same job. I also that's I love them. I think they're great. Not and you know, I'm not being ironic. I actually think they're fantastic and do really good shows. I love the Trini. I love the Susanna. Mm, I found them uh, way too much home county. Trini oh, okay. and horseface. You know, you know. Trini and horseface. But you know, I, I think they're great. And yes, they're, they're doing the same stuff they've always done. I think the, the shows still, they make are really good. Actually, the way that they're, they're constructed and put they're together, still going up to women, touching their boobs, and uh, and telling them that they need to wear, uh, you know. Bright nice dresses, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, but for some reason they've, they've apparently just plummeted in the ratings. So the 1.8 million viewers for their latest series meet their match. Um, the Mirror says that they will their well, 1.2 million pound contracts will come to an end. That must be awful. What are they going to fall back on? 1.2 million pounds. That's like a hundred billion Earth dollars. Yeah, it is. That is indeed. I think that's a hundred yeah one. That was solely responsible for the global economic crisis. They were. I think Do you know find. economic crisis is now being used? Yeah, you know, as an excuse for everything, as yeah, we've yeah. noticed. Excuse me. I used it for being late to work the other day <laughs> to see if that would work. Sorry, I'm late. Economic crisis. Everyone goes. Oh, yeah, it's, it's terrible. But Connex <laughs> is just sitting there waiting to take that rap. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but there you go. Oh, economic crisis. Ec- economic crisis. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so no more, no more Trini and Susanna, possibly. Still on English news, the Daily Telegraph from London has. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got a, a message from British listeners to to box cutters. When we say England mm-hmm. and what we mean is Britain, that really pisses them off, especially the people from Wales. So because they get they, they get all excited. Wow, news that covers. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> But but neither of these are from Wales. 
I'm not I, from Scotland. I know, but we've discussed things. England. We've discussed things from. I'm just saying th- this one that you're talking about, England. But when we talk about Doctor Who no. being an English show, it's actually made in Wales. People get angry about that. I'm just pointing that out. We know the difference. We just don't care. No, actually, that, that's not true. I don't really know the difference and I don't care. Right. Yeah. I lived there for four years and I still get it. Yeah. I don't really care. Anyway, back to the English mustard. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Daily Telegraph has uh, outed the identity of the Stig, the mysterious race car driver from uh, Top Gear. Oh, can I guess? Can I guess? Yes. Barbara Eden. Yes. Oh, wow. It was pretty obvious, though. Can I also point out? Cause the, we, we, I dream of Stig. Even before <laughs> I, I laughed. When you say outed Stig, it's like, yeah, just said who he is, not found him having sex with Peter Wingard in a toilet. No, no, in, that's, that's in why Hampshire. I read yeah, 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 But still, outed, outed is still, yeah. All right, so who is he then? Still, I, it would be funny to see him in his white jumpsuit with his helmet. Having sex with Peter Wingard, Wingard in a toilet. In a, in a toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, is he... His, uh, his identity was, uh, was alluded to in the accident report to presenter Richard Hammond's crash uh, where he almost uh, killed himself uh, recording that uh, Ben Collins works closely with Top Gear as a high-performance driver and consultant. It was confirmed when uh, he'd revealed his identity to printers who were working on promotional photographs for him. And Ben Collins is... Banksy, the famous graffiti artist. Oh, right. <laughs> it's uncanny. It all comes together. Um, are you going to go uh, and see the, the live Top Gear show? Brett, when they, have you seen they're now advertising a live on stage? No. Um, extravaganza, Sydney only, apparently, in which they will be doing things like playing soccer with cars and stuff. It's just on insane. Stage. Yeah, on stage, uh, like is live. This, uh, the, the, UK the UK Top Gear coming to Australia? Yes. To drive cars around on a stage... Right. It's, none just, of it makes any sense. Just to rub our faces in how <laughs> crap the Australian version is. It's very, very odd. Anyway, everyone's listening, they should fly Brett up yeah. to go and Where's, see it in Sydney. I think no, no, only, why would you bother? Where's your sublime cinematography on, live on stage? Where, where are your little <laughs> um, uh, fade-outs in the edges of the corners? And, and they do stuff. it alive. It's uncanny. It's, uh, it's really. stagecraft. It's all with, uh, with curtains and mirrors. Uh, ben Collins is uh, from Bristol, and he's been a motorsport driver since 1994, racing at Le Mans in NASCAR, Formula 3, and GT. So there you go. Okay. Also, uh, apparently he had the opportunity to uh, drive in F1, uh, but it went nowhere. So any news on whether Top Gear are going to continue with well, the was... ruse of the Stig, or uh, are they going to just start calling him... You know, Ben. Ben took the car out for a drive. No, it's got to, and, it's uh, got to continue. We've got some I, video of it. I think that it's actually happened before, and they had to change drivers. Oh, oh. yeah. So once I, once I, Stig I'm pretty has sure been that revealed, I read that a couple of weeks ago. Once you reveal Stig, you must bring in the new Stig. Mm, mm. I love the way you're pretty sure that you read that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, <laughs> but then there's, there's still the chance that you're making it up. <laughs> it could be a lie. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not making it up. I'm remembering it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why people come to box cutters for their news first. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, CNET.com.au reports that a trial will begin for some Sydney-based Optus customers to start experiencing mobile television. That is, television that is broadcast to mobile handsets using the technical now, DVB-H standard. H being for handheld. I, I would guess so, yes. uh, which is a method that is already exclusively, uh, sorry, extensively used in Europe and Asia. So if this trial goes ahead, then Brett, you'll be glad to know that 
we're not getting the version that other people rejected. Yeah, um, I believe that there had been a trial previously in Sydney, which was, they're now explaining, was a technical trial um, and wasn't... Uh, using technology was, that was commercially available. But and this uh, is, that's the difference with this one. This is going to be using uh, Nokia phones and uh, will also be uh, available to a, a large selection of the public rather than just a, a technical trial. Mobile phone users have for a long time been uh, able to download or stream television shows uh, through their own uh, mobile providers. But this is going to be the first public trial of mobile television as the result of broadcasting rather than via download transmission, which I think is pretty exciting. So what does that mean? Does that mean that it's actually picking up the DVB-H signal just from the air? Yeah, being, being sent from the big antenna somewhere oh. in your city, which is, I think, exciting. Included yeah. in the trial are going to be uh, the ABC, SBS and the Seven Network, as well as subscription channels Fox Sports, CNN, and MTV, which used to show music videos, but now just has reality television Yeah, the shows. M stands for something else now. Yeah. It's, it's I, I don't know what it stands for. Mundane. Right. Hey, similar <laughs> joke. Uh, last week we talked about uh, films that are possibly... No, so TV shows that are possibly becoming films. Uh, Den of Geek just had a roundup of the same thing this week. Many of the same shows we mentioned, like Jericho and Arrested Development, but a couple more... Uh, Babylon 5, apparently G. Michael Straczynski is, cu- is trying to make a, a follow-up Babylon 5 feature film. Which is, is that just because on television, when the planet came around and his name was on it, it wasn't it big wasn't enough? It wasn't big enough. So, it, you know, on a big screen, that's the only way to do it. Yeah, one kind of thinking maybe maybe that's, yeah, maybe that horse is bolded. This is Truzinski. Um Sex and the City is going for a sequel, you know, because oh. it just made, you know, bucket loads of money. So, you know. Regardless of anything else. Um, bucket loads of money, but absolutely no sense. No, no, but bucket loads of money. See what um, I did there? The X-Files sense. movie. Curiously, even though the X-Files movie had fairly disappointing box office returns. And it, a horrible ending. And horrible, it does seem that there is a third X-Files movie coming because the DVD went really well. It might be a director DVD kind of movie. What, where they're just on that island or in their rowboat or something in the middle of the ocean it's, and they're just waving at a helicopter for two hours? Yeah, and just close-ups of eyeballs turning black. Great. Um, and <laughs> Dead Like Me, um, which is just oh, curious, it says... At last. Dead Like Me movie is heading to television. It's already been made, um, but it's it's, a, it's actually a telly movie rather than a movie, but still, curious to see it, it's, it's happening. It's picking up the story four years later and it's called Dead Like Me, Life After Death. Which is... And... and, uh, and Interesting thing happened with the uh, Dead Like Me movie because uh, Mandy Patinkin. Uh, I love her. <laughs> you know very well that's a man. I know full well, but yeah, you called uh, Mandy. He um he he couldn't uh, make it to so so they've had to replace Rube as a character. So there's a new kind of Rube, and also the girl who played Daisy Adair left to uh, to do that horrible show. The uh, the Lady Detective Club or whatever that was, do, do Women's you Murder Club. Yeah, that one, Lady Detective Club, and uh, and that didn't go anywhere yet. She uh, she's not uh, going to be. So this, they've got someone else playing Daisy Adair in the uh, in the Dead Like Me movie. And when you so. say Mandy Patinkin couldn't make it, didn't he walk out from that other show he was in? He did, but it was too late. They'd already uh, cast. And shot right. a lot of the Dead Like but Me movie. But he didn't just walk out from the Dead Like Me movie and not come back. It wasn't any kind of craziness oh, no, 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 on that. No, 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 he no. didn't. No, he... he you know, Dead Like Me finished. He went to do 
uh, Murdercall or whatever that show was called. <laughs> you know, something entirely unmemorable. Without a trace? No. No. No, that was something that's affairs, Australia's own... Something crimes. Yeah, murder affairs. Criminal affairs. Uh, criminal rooms. Criminal minds. My, hey, <laughs> sold to the band, the blue <sighs> shirt. See? Not very very memorable, uh, but he was so he was already doing that too late to go and do the uh, the uh, Dead Like Me film. So it'll be interesting to see if it still has that same feel because Manny Patinkin was a, a large part of that and Rube was such a great character. Uh, but uh, I will be glad to see Dolores her big her big red eyes. Uh, do you know what Manny's short for? Manny Patinkin, Amanda. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that is the box cutters news. Are you one of those that follows follows the ads? Now I can talk as much as I want. Got the sly look, sly look, sly look. Hello, 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 hello. hello this is Ricardo Montalban. Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July. Go down on you. Okay, so I was at the gym a few mornings ago, as, as sometime last week. Oh, yes, I go to the gym. Yeah. This body just doesn't happen automatically. <laughs> That's and where you pick up all those hot cheeks. Uh, well, they're only hot because they've been running for a long time. Yeah. They're a bit sweaty. Still. It's very hard to pick them up because they, they slide all over the place. <laughs> slippery. Very slippery. Anyway, uh, uh, at, at the gym, in the morning, uh, they've got the Today Show on. Uh, God knows why. So Sunrise I, is much better. Either way. Just don't waste my time with that. But it's something to, to look at while trying to not have the sun directly in my eyes. So uh, I was watching this and I saw that they had... A YouTube video on the Today Show and uh, the real or hoax underneath it. And it was just a girl talking to camera. So I switched off my uh, iPod and thought, oh, I'll listen to, to what this is about. And, uh, and it was indeed a YouTube video of a girl who had found somebody's jacket and wanted to hook up with him. And uh, the Today Show was going, is this real or is it a hoax? This is... Uh, I've edited down the YouTube video because it's three minutes long and it's three minutes of absolute tedium. And you'll know when I play the next 53 seconds of it that three minutes of this would be just awful. Before I go any further, um, I want to make something really clear to everyone, okay? I'm not a stalker. I'm not crazy. Um... I met this guy a couple of days ago in a cafe and, um, yeah, he's gorgeous and, oh, and he left his jacket behind. It's, um, beautiful and, um, it's got silk lining, it's got beautiful striped interior, um, it's obviously a really nice jacket, um, I'm sure you're missing it. Yeah, so I'm not crazy, I'm not a stalker, seriously. Um, you can email me at maninthejacket at hotmail.com and then get your jacket back if, if you want it back and then maybe we can talk. Yeah. So that's it. I've really cut out a lot from the middle of that. And get, I, I already hate it. Just right. From that. Gave yeah. you the beginning, middle and end. Made it 52 seconds or something like that. And, uh, and you get the whole idea. This was an ad. It was an attempt at a, a viral campaign. Uh, for a, a new men's label. And so she she really does show the jacket really nicely. And as soon as you see that jacket, you go, nobody left that jacket behind. It's clear. It's never been and, worn. And it's it's an advertising company really trying to 
uh, capture the uh, Lonely Girl 15 thing but that happened so a few years ago. But it's so obviously Lonely Girl 15. Yes. You know, it, it, it's a copy of Lonely Girl 15. And also, Hol, I met this guy in a cafe. I what? apparently don't know his name, but I apparently met him and I've got his jacket, but I don't know his name. But it's also uh, similar to uh, there was a guy in New York who saw a girl on a train. And was trying to, like, like... Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. A bit of a graphic artist. The and, and yeah, he wanted to meet her and he did that YouTube. They met, although she was patently not interested. <laughs> that's, that's the interesting thing about that story. Because really? they, they went into Apparently a bunch of chat shows. Apparently they did go together for a while. They went on a, a date. While. Yeah, but, you know. But it didn't work out. Yeah. She was so a Rosie girl. But the thing is, looking at YouTube, seeing the person that uploaded this, uh, this video, uh, it's the first video they've ever uploaded. And this is really the sort of thing that somebody who has been a habitual video diarizer on YouTube would do to... Uh, well, she, she does have that really irritating delivery, like the, the vloggers you see on YouTube. It's, the it's upper inflection and the, hey, guys. I always had the whole, yeah. She's got a like poor uh, production phase and the audio. Mm-hmm. Like, two weeks later, another video comes out where she goes, oh, yeah... I'm a I'm an actor, and I was uh, really uh, yeah. It was just all a, all a big joke, and uh, that's it. Why? Why would you bother? Like, if you were going to do a kind of viral marketing campaign, you need to keep using going, YouTube. You? you need to keep going. You need to make it like those old Nescafe ads. Where uh, they had the the story of the woman who comes to town, tree change lifestyle, meets this guy. They uh, kind of you know enjoy each other's company over uh, over some instant coffee. He turns out to be a stalker. Yeah, and uh, and and murders her in her sleep. And because <laughs> it took a dark turn, but we all remember that ending. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we remember how that, that campaign ended. And and the great taste of forty three beans. I buy it every day I just because that. I, I know. Uh, Buy it before someone kills you. Life is short. It was a great, a great campaign. But this is, you know, this this is a thing that I harp on about uh, in uh, box cutters a, a lot. The importance of story in, uh, in in moving things forwards. This was the importance just, of story in YouTube viral marketing. It's well, so important. Lonely Girl Fifteen had uh, had some great story uh, to it and uh, and great production. Plus, that girl could act. This girl, no, just. Absolutely terrible. And uh, the, the thing is, though, the networks were either paid by... Like, they must have either been paid by the advertising company to have this as part of their show, or they're just idiots. Well, you do. I mean, surely they couldn't have been that stupid to just go and whack on an ad for no reason. Like, it's, it's not even much of a story. Uh, unless they were hoping for, like you were saying, that, that American one about the... The guy trying to find the girl on the, Except, on the tube. Maybe how did they? Part. How did they find out about it? They because the, the uh, they often show YouTube videos from like two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Today Show are not on the cutting edge. <laughs> They're not riding the internet wave of uh, of new things. And uh, I'm really curious to find out how they found out about it. I reckon somebody called them up and said, "Look at this video." It's for this brand. Look at this video. <laughs> Do something about that. Uh, just horrible. And, and you know what? I don't buy it. Hi, I'm really lucky to be the guest of these funny, gorgeous, sexy, hunky men. This is Jane Badler. You're listening to Box Cutters. I love that ID. <laughs> I love that ID so much. Thanks, Jane. 
Gavin and Stacey is a uh, show from uh, BBC Television in England. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the United Kingdom. It's not untrue. <laughs> oh, it's it's half true. It's a bit. It's, true. A, it's only half true. Anyway, come on. It's from the United Kingdom. Uh, and uh, it was written by uh, two people, Ruth Jones and James Corbin, and uh, is uh, going to be on Channel 7 later on this year. So we thought we'd uh, cover it now, spoil everything for you, uh, mm. so then you can watch it and go, oh, that's what they were talking about. It's uh, the, the first series is about uh, these uh, two people, Gavin and Stacey. Uh, she lives in Wales and he lives in Essex. So it's partly England. Partly not. It is United Kingdom. Uh, and uh, they have uh, telephone conversations for work. I think uh, she works for a supplier for his company. And so uh, they uh, chat on the phone often. And every episode starts with them talking on the phone uh, about their lives. But this one starts with them getting ready for their first date. And so the show is about... Uh, the differences between uh, Wales and uh, and parts of England, the uh, the, the differences between uh, friends and uh, and how friends deal with relationships, uh, and also uh, how families deal with new love interests into uh, c- coming into their family. It's a comedy. It's a half hour comedy. Ruth Jones and uh, James Corbin. Uh, Corden. Uh, Ruth Jones was in uh, Little Britain. She played the barmaid in the Only Gay in the Village sketch. Uh, and uh, James Corden was in pretty much every version of the Alan Bennett play History Boys uh, up until the version that was in Australia. But he's not the lead, though. No, he's, he's not the he's lead. He's the friend. Yes. Right. Uh, but he was in uh, he was in the West End production. He was in the New York production. He was also in the movie. But the male lead you'll, in this you recognise from the the Catherine Tate show, and also I think Teachers and Things to Do Before You're Thirty. I think was the name of the other show he was in. Anyway, that was um, yes, he's been a bunch of of those sort of shows. Yes, and uh, and uh, Joanna Page is, uh, who, who plays Stacy uh, was also in a lot of mm-hmm. uh, of stuff. But things that you, you know you might recognise or you might not. Uh, the uh, f- for me, the standout here is definitely Ruth Jones. Ruth Jones plays Stacey's best friend, uh, and James Corden plays Gavin's best mate. And uh, Ruth Jones is just, I think, extraordinary as far as her delivery goes. She uh, her character is just. Uh, an amazing mix of complete uh, complete trash, but also complete worldliness uh, that just gives you little insights into what her life may have been and uh, and what it is now. But the thing is that that's also all the jokes are pretty much her and James Corden and also uh, Stacy's uncle, who is oh, uh, Rob, Rob Brydon. Rob Brydon uh, plays uh, Bryn. Which means hill in Welsh, and uh, he uh, he's uh, he's Stacy's uncle. Uh, Stacy's father has passed away, and uh, her uncle lives across the road from uh, her mum's house. 
and uh, comes over a lot. The supporting cast in Gavin and Stacey, I think, really make the show because the the relationship between Gavin and Stacey, meh, I don't really care that much. But the supporting cast, Rob Brydon especially, uh, just sensational. They just really work and their jokes are uh, funny and hit the point every time. John, you've seen Gavin and Stacey. I, I've, look, I've got to be honest. I've only seen the first two episodes. I know we, we normally are meant to watch three, but I was running out of time and I had to decide whether to watch the third one or stab myself repeatedly in the face. <laughs> and I went for the one that was going to be more enjoyable, which was stabbing myself in the face. I, I hated this program quite a lot. I, I found it absolutely, I would say, unwatchable, except that I had to watch it for, for this. And, Why? Uh, Why did you? I, I hated all the characters. Um, without any exception, uh, I, I laughed once in episode one, uh, which was Rob Brydon, and and it was yeah. You know, when he turned up, I did have a moment going, "Oh my god, thank God, something's in this." And uh, Rob Brydon uh, going on and on about a rape alarm, I did find quite funny, and um, and yeah, but I just I I found uh, Gavin and Stacey both appeared to be retarded. I, I know that's probably the wrong term to use, and I do apologise. Um, but uh, Stacey in particular, I mean, there were such unlikable people. They both live with their parents, which I, I had a bit of an issue with caring that much about people who apparently are in their mid to late 20s and can't move out of their parents' house. And their friends, I just found so loathsome. I <laughs> just really, really disliked. And so we talked, I think when we were talking about Eureka and Josh, you were saying that one of the things you, you hate is when there is the cliche of the, um, of the, the kind of nerdy scientist. Yes. I hate the cliche of fat people being shown to eat all the time because they're fat people and that's hilarious. And in that first episode, they never, ever have a scene of, of Nessa or the History Boys guy not eating. You know, we, we, we see them constantly eating. And Nessa is just such an unpleasant character on yeah, when, all when levels. Nessa, when she's... Nessa is introduced, she's offered an omelette and she declines. <laughs> I stand corrected. Um, Nessa, though, did do the, the one bit that made me laugh in episode two, which is a little speech she gives about when uh, the, the, the head boss of Harrods tried to chat her up and then pawned her off to his son and she hasn't heard from him for years. That was the only bit in episode two that made me laugh. And that, that sort of stuff happens, happens a lot. We learn about Nessa's secret history and, uh, you know, about her touring with the Rolling Stones. But it, but it really was, just, I mean, just unlikable characters being unlikable. And this, and I swear this is not a lie, halfway through episode one, I thought, oh, I thought we were watching a comedy. And I've obviously put the wrong thing on. I'm going to look up Gavin and Stacey on Wikipedia just to see what this is. And then read it to one every comedy award ever. And I genuinely did not think it was a comedy. Like, it wasn't that the jokes weren't working. I didn't spot any jokes. I didn't spot any humour. And... Just that's, thought it was a soap opera that we were watching. That's extraordinary because I, I found the first series especially uh, hilarious, like laugh out loud funny. So yeah, look, hating episode one, then episode two, some more loathsome characters are introduced <laughs> as well, like the next door neighbours and and history boys, boys getting drunk doing a quiz night. It was like, oh really? You I, know, life is too short, people. Let's all turn our televisions off and go outside. <laughs> what, what about <laughs> what about Stacy's neighbour? The uh, the uh, the the quite rude old lady oh of her i have no opinion right it was yeah no it was just i found this such an unlike a couple of things though come to mind all uk programs now all the sets look like those display rooms from ikea which is actually possibly what all rooms in the uk look uh, yeah, like i wouldn't, now, I wouldn't actually, be surprised that's the thing i'm not surprised i could go either way but i just thought it was interesting watching this going and they all like even doctor who and you know everything now just looks like an ikea display room um, and there's a scene in episode two, again, apologies if this is a spoiler, there's a scene in which um, 
Ned taking <laughs> Stacy back to the train station Gavin. so so she can she can catch the train back. Um, he goes to cross over the platform without a ticket, and the the ticket inspector quite rightly says you can't come in here without a ticket. And then they make this big issue about the the ticket inspector being somehow unreasonable. And you're going, well, why doesn't Gavin say goodbye to her in the section? He doesn't need a ticket for like it was. This weird thing where you're meant to be on the side of Gavin going, yes, how dare they stop their love? And I'm going, you're retarded, kiddies, who just, <laughs> you know, I don't care. I don't care. See, whereas, uh, you know, uh, about Gavin and Stacey, I didn't much care about their journey. What I did like was the coming together of two cultures that uh, I would ordinarily think of as being quite similar. Mm-hmm. And what do I know from Essex and, uh, and Barry? I do think it made, it made the Welsh look bad. You know, if I was Welsh, I'd be probably quite offended. <laughs> See, this is this is the thing, though. Ruth, Ruth Jones, who plays Nessa, is a very proud Welsh woman and uh, stays in Wales and, and does a lot of uh, a lot of work in Wales. Even though she could uh, she could be doing comedy th- throughout uh, the UK and uh, and no doubt uh, cross over to to other countries, she stays in Wales and she works hard in Wales because she loves Wales. And this, to me, it seemed like that. I felt it was kind of this uh, love letter to uh, to Wales, to to where she comes from, and uh, and loving the little bits of of shitness that come from there. That's the way it seemed to me. And it was funny. Right. And Stacey's mum making omelets all the time. It's hilarious. Yeah. To me, it seemed like twenty five minutes long. That's all I've got. You mean twenty five minutes too long? Well, or- just generally, you know, twenty five minutes long, probably twenty five frames a second. Sound was stereo. I, I've got nothing. Yeah, you know, I, I try and find. You know, I do try and find the, the ray of sunshine, the silver lining. But for this, yeah, there was one joke in episode one, one joke in episode two. That was it. That was all I could find to kind of keep me. And yeah, just really, really disliked the main characters. Quite disliked the secondary characters. And that's right. Well, that's all I got. Gavin and Stacey was one of the most popular shows in <laughs> oh, the yeah. UK. It's won every single comedy it's, award it's won, ever. And it's won, it's won BAFTAs and uh, the... Uh, it's probably won a raffle somewhere. Like it's, it, it's won everything. No, it no, started I, on BBC I, Three. Sorry, Brett. You- I, I didn't actually get a chance to have a look at it. So but, what's uh, your opinion? <laughs> but um, a, a lot of stuff that John was saying uh, was was pretty much exactly what I would say about the Catherine Tate Show, which was another award-winning show over in the UK. Yeah, and Catherine I just Tate Show I hated. It. Catherine Tate Show I hated. Yeah, I, I saw I, no humour in that at all. I quite disliked on Catherine Tate Show, but nowhere near to this degree. Catherine Tate Show I found mean, and I found this kind of mean in the same way. I think that there's a lot of mean comedy in the UK, particularly at the moment. I think it's, it's been a big quite a big thrust of their comedy for, for a few years now. And, yeah, and this just seemed to so in that kind of mean, unlikely, unpleasant people being mean and unpleasant to each other that there's nothing there's nothing for me here. See, for, for me, it, it was a, a real move from uh, the BBC into uh, something that America has been doing well for, for a while, which is the dramedy, uh, which is a, a drama with jokes in it or a, a light-hearted drama or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I... I found Gavin and Stacey really enjoyable in in that way, uh, but also for me it, it had the jokes to to keep me going, and I did find them funny. But it was uh, it, it has it has won a lot of awards in the UK. Uh, also, it started on BBC Three, which is kind of 
where the BBC test out a lot of uh, new material. And is that like a, a little viewed uh, digital channel over there? It is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a bit like ABC Two, I guess. That not that many people can get BBC Three. And uh, and then the BBC went, oh, Karen and Stacey really popular. We want to move it to BBC One, which is generally how shows work. They'll start uh, they'll start on BBC Three and then make their way up to two and then one. And uh, and uh, Ruth Jones and, and James Corden went no. No, we're going to stay with BBC Three. Thank you very much. Which is an interesting, uh, an interesting role. Might might come to shoot them in the foot. Uh, recently, the uh, what? No, so so might come to shoot them in the foot. I was trying to work out if that's a real phrase or not. I don't think it is. No, it's it's nice though. Yeah, thanks. this will come to shoot you in the. This foot. will come to shoot you in the foot. Varmint. The uh, <laughs> uh, the other thing is, Gavin and Stacey did have a Christmas special. Uh, this year, and the whole thing with the UK Christmas specials, I just don't understand. Uh, I just don't get it. Nobody likes families over there, so they're just watching TV or Christmas. I do remember once uh, talking to an English friend saying, we were talking about the first of the Doctor Who Christmas specials, and I was going, well, it's just so, it was just so bad. It was camp and bad. She was going, yeah, of course it was camp and bad. It was a Christmas special. They're meant to be camp and bad. It was like, okay. <laughs> well, the, the Gavin and Stacey Christmas special, they really did forget to write some jokes. Uh, which was a shame because I was really looking forward so to it. Be, for me, there'd be one less joke per episode yeah. than I currently. <laughs> and it goes for an and it goes for an hour. I right. Think. So yeah. Uh, yeah. there you go. That's Gavin and Stacey. It will be on uh, the uh, Channel Seven later on this year. We don't have a date for it, but I think well, uh, Channel Mini Nova probably has it as well. They'll have uh, Channel one, BitTorrent. One or two episodes on uh, Channel Seven later on in the year, <laughs> and then and before then, everybody doesn't get onto it. Yeah, probably they switch it off. Probably. Hi, this is Jim Shembury from The Age newspaper. Just telling you all to listen to Box Cutters if it's the last thing you do. Josh, Brett and John are the most informed, entertaining, funniest guys you'll ever hear over a pod. I still don't know what podcasting is, but apparently if you go onto the ARPANET, you can, you can get it. The ARPANET. Oh, the internet. I'm sorry. That was the old word for it. Yes. Box Cutters. Listen up. It's great. Gotta love the picture that Shepherd. This is the story of two sisters, Jessica Tate and Mary Campbell. Jessica lives in a neighborhood known as Rich. Jessica likes life. The only thing about life she would change, if she could, is that she would set it all to music. The Tates have more secrets than they do money. We're approaching Mary Campbell's house. Mary, too, likes life. Unfortunately, life doesn't seem to be too crazy about her. As you can see, the Campbells don't have nearly as much money as the Tates. They do, however, have as many secrets. Is that the new uh, introduction to Desperate Housewives? No, that's, uh, that's the uh, opening to Soap. The first episode of the uh, nineteen uh, then it was nineteen seventy seven show Soap, which it's, was it's probably still from nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, that probably. episode, it's probably, it probably remains to be no, from no, nineteen seventy seven. That opening was the nineteen seventy seven opening. Uh, probably after, still is. It probably still is the opening from nineteen seventy seven. It, it is. Yeah, you're right. I stand corrected. And that was things you may have missed. <laughs> uh, the uh, that very long 
opening doesn't last. I think it only lasts about six or seven episodes in soap, and then they change it to this is a story of two families, uh, the Tates and the Campbells. These are the Tates. These are the Campbells, and this is soap. It was uh, much quicker and uh, and snappier. There's very odd than pauses that. in that. Yeah, piece. and it, I mean it's quite fascinating. But the pauses are very odd. And I realised because we we played it earlier to get the sound level. It actually sounds like one of those logic puzzles, you know, to work out which family lives in the red house. Like, yeah. <laughs> or uh, the uh, Young Talent Time game. <laughs> it does yes, a bit. Yeah, yes, yeah. It, it, yeah. it is a bit like Do a, a little dance. And it just oh, has some music. can I mention? I did sell the Young Talent Time game on eBay. I had to have two goes. The first time it didn't sell. I do apologise for, for digressing here for a moment, but I just like to point out it did eventually sell for eighteen dollars fifty, including ah. postage. First time I had it for one cent. No one bid. Yeah, possibly because in the description I said this game is terrible and you'd be a fool to buy it. <laughs> But, you know, good on you. Yeah. Good on you for trying. And I put the same thing up the second time, still sold. Right. Well done. Who knows? Uh, maybe it's because you uh, you put a silver logie in with it. <laughs> I did. I threw that in. <laughs> Tell us more about Soap, Josh. Uh, well, Soap ran from 1977 to 1981 and was the story of two families. It was a primetime sitcom filmed in front of a live studio audience that was a parody of the daytime soap operas at the time. Not just the daytime soap operas, though, because uh, in uh, in later years, it also became a parody of things like Dallas and Dynasty, although they would have called it Dynasty, but they're wrong. Mm. The, w- would I have known any members of the cast? Yes, you would have. Would I? Yes. Is like that, who? Oh, no. I, I, <laughs> was that the one with um, Commandant Lassard in it? I believe that was Punky Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> now, I believe Soap was the first role really? for... Before she had the... Uh, the... No, 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 no. It wasn't <laughs> the character Punky Brewster. It was the show <laughs> Punky Brewster. <laughs> it's gone wrong. The show was going quite well. But you know, uh, the, like the tall guy with the grey hair. Uh, Richard Mulligan, who yes. was then the father in... Uh, Punky in Brewster. Empty Nest. <laughs> Nest. No, that's not where I'm thinking. Yeah, no, he from. was. He was the father in Empty Nest. Was Richard this not Mulligan. one of Billy Crystal's first roles? Is it what was. I'm going, going, getting to. It was one of Billy Crystal's first roles. It was uh, before he joined uh, the cast of Saturday Night Live. And he uh, he played one of the first uh, gay characters, like openly gay characters on American television, which was uh, quite extraordinary at the time. And Catherine, I want to say Helmond? Uh, yes. Catherine Hellman. The mother from... Uh, who's the boss? The, yeah, the grandmother. And, and also in Brazil. She was, um, she was one of the leads in yes, Terry Gilliam's the- Brazil, where she's truly superb. Yeah, she is a, a fantastic actor, and, uh, and she, did, uh, she did great work in this as Jessica Tate, the rich sister. Uh, and uh, Jimmy Bayo, who is Scott Bayo's cousin... Uh, played uh, played Billy Tate, uh, but also this was the creation of Benson, uh, played by Robert Guillaume, who was the Tate's butler. And uh, Benson's name was Benson Dubois, but in through, throughout Soap, they never once mentioned his surname, and it was pretty much thought that his surname was Benson because that's you called butlers by mm-hmm. by their uh, by their surname. Uh, he he was the uh, quintessential grumpy, uh, just not willing to do any work. Is this the same like, Benson who was spun off into his own yes. sitcom? I, thought, I, didn't, yes. I, I had no idea that was a spin-off. I didn't know that. Uh, I learned something from today's show. Uh, the, uh, essentially, the, all, all it was is a, a soap opera with jokes. Uh, the end of every episode uh, just tried to make it a little bit more soap opera than 
uh, you know, just in case you kind of missed the point. This is how episodes ended. What will happen with Danny and Polly? Will her brother let it happen? Now that he's dying, what will Bert do? Will he do it quickly? Will he tell Mary? Will he pay his doctor's bill? Will Chester get himself some help at the minister's group? Or will Chester help himself to the minister's daughter? These questions and many others will be answered on the next episode of Soap. Which is very Arrested Development. Uh, arrested Development is very... Yes. Uh, and uh, and it, it was a, a novel way to, to end an episode. And those questions almost never answered yep. in, uh, in, in so, the next so episode. episode. Pigs in Space. I was actually thinking a uh, veterinarian hospital as well did the yes. same thing. Um where you'll hear Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> did, did the plots then? Did they continue or not continue into the next episodes? Oh, it's a it's a completely ongoing storyline. So it did have ongoing. So it did it did have ongoing storylines, and it had uh, great storylines that were just huge parodies of the of the soaps at the time. Uh, Corinne, one of the uh, one of the Tate's daughters, uh, she falls in love with a priest. They have a baby. The baby is possessed by the devil. Uh, there chances all over again. Isn't there, there are alien abductions, but there are also uh, murders and murder plots and uh, and whodunits and all all sorts of tennis instructors who are you know causing wives to have affairs and uh, and it, it was it's fantastic because not only is it really funny and if if there's nothing else funny. Robert Guillaume is uh, is just so superb as Benson. Uh, his surly nature just comes across so nicely, and he hates his boss. There's uh, there's there's a, a time when uh, uh, he's making eggs for breakfast, and uh, in the in the opening episode, he's making eggs for breakfast, and uh, and Jessica Tate comes up and says, uh, "It looks like you're making eggs, uh, Benson." And he goes, "Yes, yes, I am making eggs." Oh, but the doctor said that Mr. Tate can't have eggs. Did he? <laughs> right. Just things like, things like that, uh, where he, he just does things because he, he hates the family. How long, how long did this show go for? Because I've only seen a few episodes quite recently for the first time, and I remember actually thinking they were quite funny, the ones I saw from the first series. But how long did it actually... It's, uh, it's 83... It was originally 83 episodes. The shows were one hour long, and then the shows were then, for, for subsequent, subsequent viewing... Uh, cut down to half an hour, uh, and also after the first few episodes, they were cut down to to half an hour. So it ends up being something like ninety six episodes, all up from seventy seven to eighty one. So four years. Uh, it was a huge show uh, in its time, and did have the spin off into uh, into Benson, uh, which was just an odd spin off. But Benson leaves, uh, I think, in the second last series, and is replaced by. Another butler who is nowhere near as entertaining. Mr. Belvedere. Uh, no, not replaced by Mr. Belvedere. Punky Brewster? N- no, not replaced by Punky Brewster either. <laughs> no one can replace Punky Brewster. No. <laughs> oh, Fraggle, wouldn't well, that be great? <laughs> oh, that would be good. They should put more Fraggles into things. Yeah. Uh, the show was created by Susan Harris, who then went on to create uh, not only Benson, but also The Golden Girls, Empty Nest... Uh, with Thomas Harris Productions, just produced pretty much everything that was successful in the 80s. Punky Brewster? Not Punky Brewster. Elf? Not not Elf. Uh, <laughs> other things. 
Like, have if, you, you if you don't want to watch soap, you don't have to watch soap. <laughs> It's a, it's a We're good show. trying to learn. That's all. We want to learn things. It's it's a good show. It's. I think uh, Gaines is the uh, is the man you're thinking of. He played Commandant Lassard in. Uh, and Punky Brewster's grandfather. And not grandfather, just the guy whose house she breaks into, who then takes her on as a ward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not doing Punky Brewster, though, Brett. <laughs> We're not. We should, though. We should in the future, quite well, soon. really, we've just done it. Uh, so that's that's Soap. You can buy all four seasons on DVD. I know that the first two seasons are definitely out in Australia, uh, but all four seasons are available in the US. It is a funny show. It is an addictive show. I first uh, started watching it when it was on at... Uh, I think four o'clock in the morning on Channel Nine, they were playing repeats, and my brother and I would uh, tape them overnight, and then get home from school and watch them immediately. And uh, and there was a time in my uh, nerdy television growing up period where I could tell you the entire story of Soap from when it began to where it was now, and could draw you family trees and and things like that. Uh, it, it's because it is like a soap opera. But it's also hilariously funny. I say, check it out. I don't think it's even dated that much. That's soap. You can find it, yeah, in places. Got her postman. Have a letter. Did you read it? You're a godsend. Savior. No, I'm, I'm just the postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. Just quickly, we got an email from Peter Boxcutter this week who says, How long do we have to wait before 7 and 9 tell us what the plan on putting on their new channels? I think it was what they plan on putting on their new channels, but it's the uh, first of many typos, Peter. This is... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, please send us your messages. We will mock your grammar. C (laughs) minus. He goes on to say, This is ridicules. (laughs) Good on 10 for at least announcing the new 24-7 sports channel. It seems these two scumbag channels are playing the waiting game. Maybe they will tell us, quote, after the tennis. It seems the world stops until after, after the, the tennis. tennis. That's that, a very that good has point. Been saving yeah. Everything yeah, yeah. Is on after the tennis. Everything, yeah. everything is on after, after the, the tennis. tennis. Uh, I think 7 and 9 are not telling you what they're putting on their new channels because they don't know. They thought they knew. And then they thought they were wrong. And now they're wondering if they will have new channels. Do they have to have new channels? And why are they having new channels if all it's going to do is bring down ratings from their other channels where they can make more money? I think they're going to write names of shows on bits of paper and then let a kitten pull them out of a hat. <sighs> I'd watch that. I know. Programmed by kitten. As long as they show the actual programming, you, know, you, you want to see shots of the programming <laughs> decisions being made. What, yeah. uh, what, so what's that show called? It's called A Kitten Programs Channel 9. Oh, it's I like good, that. isn't it? Yeah, catchy. I like that. Mm. What have you got? Uh, from AKA Mame, post on the blog at boxcutters.net. Fascinating interview with Dr. Ranson, guys. And on behalf of medical transcriptionists, 
everywhere. Can we just stop there for a moment? Isn't that brilliant? On behalf of medical transcriptionists everywhere. I'd like to thank him for his attitude towards background noise and speaking clearly. His MTs must love him. It would make a nice change from the all-too-common docs who Sorry, dictate... Sorry, trying to do background noise. ...who dictate in a whisper with their head under a pillow, their mouth full of marshmallows on a mobile phone <laughs> while driving through a tunnel with a kid's birthday party and or a barking dog and or rustling papers and or loud footsteps in the background. Oh, why... Oh, well, they apparently try to set a new speed-talking record. That's a fantastic comment on the blog. It is. I love that. It is an excellent comment on the also, blog. Also, I love that we finally give a medical transcriptionist a chance to vent their spleen. Hey, <laughs> this is a show all about television and medical transcribing. <laughs> I, I think there's far too few podcasts that actually go the extra mile for the medical yeah. transcriptionists. How true. That's uh, Letters to Boxcutters. You can send your letters to hooray at boxcutters.net or use the Talk To Us link on the blog at boxcutters.net. You can also leave your comments there on the blog or send us an SMS to zero four. You know what? I've just forgotten the, ne- the number. 0458-CUTTER. <laughs> 0458-CUTTER. Smooth. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. You know, I've just checked the number and it is 0458 Cutter. So that's good. Yeah, that's great. Because what you said. Well, it says that on the blog. No, no. Yeah. I've got a bit of pork. A tea now. I do. I'd like to share it with you. It's a two-part bit of pork. Um, as, as I think I may have mentioned in passing, quite keen on Battlestar Galactica. No. Yeah, I am. Really? I am. And it's... Uh, it's What's that about then? It's, it's back on, on the telly. It's, it's so... Utterly grouse, and um, it is you know, it is setting new records in bleakness for television. It's already been the world's bleakest TV show, and the episode, the first episode back from the the, the break that was kind of created by the writer's strike, uh, yeah. is undoubtedly the bleakest episode ever of the bleakest episode television oh. show. So it's curious that that was when KFCs decided to bring in um, their tie-in, which is the Frack Pack. <laughs> Not making it up. There's a picture of the ad. Not printed very well. But um, it says, KFC proudly salutes BSG and its frackin' awesome fans, the Battlestar Galactica Frack Pack. Um, now, the word frack replaces another four-letter F word. So if you actually think of what the hell they're trying to say their chicken is, that's just wrong. Fink. It replaces fink. It does. The fink pack. It's just wrong. Um, and then also with... Uh, is it frackin' looking good? <laughs> I bet it would be. Um, and then tying in again with this idea of, of once you have the bleakest show in the world, you know, it's hard to sell product with that. Mm. Um, if you go on YouTube, this is an enormous spoiler, so only do this if you have watched the episode that aired in the, in the US two weeks ago. Um, if you would like to go to YouTube and Google Worst Commercial Placement Ever is the, is the name of that particular piece. It's, um, it's a segment from the show as it went to air with the ad that immediately followed it. Um, I'm not going to basically, I can't, I can't tell you much of what it's about, but it's an episode in which a particularly gruesome thing happens. It's followed by an ad for biscuits, which will make you just think of blood. <laughs> basically, <laughs> these biscuits falling into soup bowls, which then, you know, in slow motion, blood, I mean, soup comes, oh no, you can't. It's just, it's yeah. so wrong. It's so utterly wrong. And this biscuit company must be going, that whole making people think of blood when they see our product wasn't really what we were after. Thanks, Battlestar Galactica. That's great. Yeah, Battlestar Galactica, yeah, that show, yeah. is going to be fast-tracked to the Sci-Fi Channel on uh, subscription television. 
I don't know how fast they're being fast-tracked, but you're saying episodes are on at the moment from the latest season? Uh, yeah, we're up to the second episode of the last last ten, eight more to go. Right. I was I was reading within a number of hours. Oh, that's that good. Fast-tracking it. That would be so good. So has it already started? It's already started. It's already been, yeah, two no, episodes gone to air. So on Sci-Fi Channel I, I, I only saw that news today, so I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. Uh I am. I don't know if you're, you're aware of this. I'm a big fan of Supernatural, mm. the, the show. I don't know if I've mentioned With the, it. The brothers and the yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned Cause it because they're dreamy. Yeah, that's that's why I love it. It's actually one of the best uh, the best shows in the horror genre I've seen on television in a long, long, long time. You're forgetting Ghost Whisperer. Yeah, it is. It is pretty much the best show <laughs> in the whole horror genre. That I've seen on television in a long, long time. Their most recent episode that went to air in the United States was about magicians and was called Chris Angel is a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the things that I just love about Supernatural. Is that they, do, they just make these jokes that not, not everyone will... Uh, will get does Supernatural they follow the same same sort of template as others because you know how the, the, these American shows all have episode titles but the episode titles don't actually appear on screen no Supernaturals appear they on do. screen okay yes. so, it actually does so come on with. screen it says Chris Angel is a douchebag <laughs> guest starring blah 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 and blah blah, blah. like it's <laughs> Chris Angel wasn't in it no he he, he wasn't in it. Uh, he was referred to a couple of times in the episode. There was also a uh, a character who was clearly trying to emulate Chris Angel in his magic career, wearing eyeliner and the such. And uh, and it was just, I just love Supernatural. They're clearly just having a lot of fun with that show. And uh, and I just don't know why Channel Ten aren't flogging the hell out of it. It's it's When's a fun it fun show. Not. Oh, it's, it's at one point on, it was on Monday nights. Yeah, it, it was It was on Monday nights at yeah, 9.30 or 10.30. Sparkling uh, news week. And I don't know when the uh, when, when the new series is going to appear. Uh, but it, it is such an enjoyable show. And if you're a fan of horror and you're a fan of television, you can't go past Supernatural. It's wonderful. I, I was into it uh, in the early days, but then it seemed a little bit silly and people were dying and then being brought back and, yeah. The the ongoing story arc seemed a little bit silly. Like from week to week with with each of the, the you, kind of demon of the week you type watch, stuff with interesting. You watch a show where a skinny woman with large breasts talks to ghosts. Yes. Or does she? Is she just schizophrenic? Just oh. ask yourself that next hey, time you watch that program. Club. Maybe it is. Yeah, yeah. When she starts beating herself up. <laughs> First rule of Ghost Whisperer. <laughs> never never admit to watching Ghost Whisperer. Uh-oh. Is that the first rule? Uh, does that bring us to the end? I think that brings us to the oh, end. Uh, just oh, on the uh, ABC SBS review stuff, yes. all of the submissions that have gone in for that are available for uh, download and viewing online at the, uh, the Department of Broadband Communications and Digital Economy Websites. That's, uh, I, d- I didn't know there was a Department of Broadband and Digital Economy. Yes, yes. It's uh, <laughs> dbcde.gov.au. Um, I'm sure there'll be a, a right. link from the front page there. Uh, I've also put it, up as, put it up as one of the uh, delicious links. Uh, Fantastic. Box so why not log on and, and mock their spelling and grammar? That's what I'd do. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I would do. That's what you're doing right now, isn't it? I can yes, see you. Yes, I am. <laughs> you've, got the, you've got it open. You, you. I am. What was it? BDC. A glint is in your eye. BDC. D- DBCDE. 
dbcde.gov.au. Yep. Yeah. All right. Got it. Uh, and uh, also, uh, Australia's not the only place where the switch over to digital TV only uh, is an issue. In the States, they've delayed their switch over date uh, from February 19, I think it was, through until uh, back to June. Because, uh, the last, this year. because the last federal government forgot to ensure that people had digital set top boxes before the switch over. Hey, they were fighting a war. <laughs> What about the war on analogue television? <laughs> huh? I, I don't think a war had been declared on analogue TV. <sighs> See, this is... They had their priorities all out of order. Yeah. All it's true. out of order. If, if, if it was just the war on analogue TV, it'd be a much better administration. We'd all be winners. <laughs> we would all be winners That brings us to the end of Fox Cutters episode 166 I want to say thanks very much to uh, Crumpler Who give us things to give away to you And when they get back from holidays We will have more things to give to you I also want to say thanks to 3RRR Whose studios we use for recording this podcast Each and every week You can find them on the web at rrr.org.au They are, without doubt, the greatest radio station in the world. That's true. If you want to email us, you can hooray at boxcutters.net or send us an SMS 0458 cutter. Leave a message on the website. Yes. Which you can always log on to with your Facebook ID. Which you can, is convenient. Very convenient. Or you don't need any ID at all. Yeah. Just uh, just go in there, write, write your name in, done. Or notes on the back of a postcard to P.O. Box 2145 Brunswick East Victoria 3057. And uh, also, if you have an iTunes account uh, and you enjoy this podcast, please go into the iTunes Music Store and leave a review of Box Cutters because it will help other people find this podcast and then they can enjoy it as well. Or just log on to random websites. <laughs> yeah, we like them, random websites. And tell them how much you love Box Cutters. Even if you don't, just do it. All right? What are you waiting for? Until next week. My name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there.